clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure. Where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I am definitely not a doctor named Jeremiah James who loves talking about sex. See how I added that little twist in there? Always keeping you on your toes, Doc. Always keeping you guessing. You really are. You really are. I know. I'm telling you. I should start. I was thinking I should go into stand-up comedy. I'm... Listening back oh. to the episodes that we do here, I really find myself very entertaining. I just wanted to be very clear about that. I, okay. <laughs> you, you, you know what? And we are back, folks. Hope everybody out there is doing well. Spring is in the air. It's sprung. And we're back here at the University of Pleasure doing what we love to do few announcements as always don't forget to check out the amy book it's out there grab your copy grab your audiobook version our first book here at the university of pleasure by of course the brilliant autumn karen and uh, not so brilliant me and but the doc liked the book so i think we're on track and she is a hard sell on so many things so check out the amy book also don't forget the new podcast the new podcast not starring yeah. me but starring the doc and my dearest and closest family friend, Laura Rodemacher. Family friend? Gee, are you related? Yep. <laughs> we are family now. I have decided, and I'm telling you, Laura Rodemacher is brilliant, and the doc and her together, they talk about such brilliant things. I have such a pleasure of editing it with them and like getting to sit and listen. It's so awesome. Check out Sex Therapist Shoot the Shit. What did you shoot the shit about on this latest episode, doc? The one we just recorded hasn't been released yet. Oh, I don't know. We meander through so many topics because we have a lovely guest, um, also a, a sexual health therapist, um, Calvin Hauer. Ooh. We shoot the shit on like sex toys and and interestingly talk about like patents and uh, patents. about condoms. Yeah, we really, we really, we go through a real, a real I mean, we're just shooting the shit. So You're we go through, shit. Sex we go through a lot of hills and valleys. Shit. Um, and I'm excited about it. And it does, it is, I think before we should probably say it was uh, kind of only available, but now it should be up on all of the platforms. Oh, it's on all of them now, Doc. It's all up there. We have fixed all the bugs out there, 100%. We are actually turning this into a well-oiled professional media company. I feel so good about it. Our, <laughs> our new business manager, Don's coming on and making change. Things are just, things are moving and I feel great. And don't forget everybody out there listening that we have a phone number that With i've never memorized on it. <laughs> and it had message it's got a message you can leave a message for us you can also don't forget you could always email us at contact at the university of pleasure contact at university of pleasure dot com and check out our phone number at 917-382-0653 again that number is 917-382 0653. Leave us a message. 
leave us a question. Leave us a could have been better sex story. We always want to hear from our millions of fans all over the world. Contact us here at the University of Pleasure. Doc, are you cold? Like, what's the matter I'm with you over there? Freezing. Why don't you get a coat? Do you want me to pause for a minute? We can no, take a second. I don't have one. The studios actually I do have one. Put your coat on. Gosh, don't worry, everyone. We'll wait. Doc's gonna put a sweater on because she was literally sitting here. You gotta say we're again. Well, part of the thing we always talk about. We're gonna get the YouTube channel up so you can watch the amazing banter between the Doc and I, and. Uh, Get to see all the grimaces that she makes at the things that I say <laughs> half the time. Never. 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 Well of just placidness on my face just yes, all the time. hundred percent. But she was utterly and completely shivering like she was in the frozen tundra. And I could see it all the way from my studio here. There's a heater in here, but I long ago got in trouble for having it on because somebody heard it in his editing of the podcast and got upset yeah. with me. Yeah, because uh, you don't understand. I don't even want to get into that. I don't want to get into the struggles <laughs> you caused me. Okay, anyway, the point is we are back. We've done all our announcements. Check out our things. Leave us messages. Leave us voicemails. Whatever. We hope to hear from you. We love to hear from you. And that goes direct segue. Oh, well, Doc, did you want to say anything else? Were there anything that I missed? No. Okay, I think great. I, I so I'm going to continue my segue. Yeah, All right. go for it. So, segueing into a could have been better sex story that was sent to us by a listener, right? Yeah, I know. Well, it's not a could actually it's not a could have been better sex story. It's not. We need no. No, it's like a I would say it's like someone's more like sexual life story peppered with some questions. It's not like a specific could have been better sex story. It's well, let's read it. It'll make sense. Right, well, I, I read story. it. I just thought that that was the segment we it were doing. A, I it already is a read it. I, mean, I would call this a sexual health query. It's a sexual health query. That does not fly in the entertainment world, dog. I'm sorry. We're gonna got to come up. With I'll work better. on it. We'll work, we'll, zhuzh, gonna, we'll we'll judge it up. Okay. Workshop that title there. Yeah. Okay. A sexual query. What are we in the 1800s? Nobody says query anymore, do they? Do they say query? I say query. It's a great word, and I'm owning it. All right. Hey, I respect you owning it. I respect you, and I love you, and I am going to read this query from a fan. See how I worked that in for you? Thank mm -hmm. you. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Uh, I was actually really touched by this, and... Uh, and it actually made me sad. So I actually want to hear what you have to say. Uh, I always want to hear what you have to say, but I really was like, because uh, I know that, well, I'm going to get it. I'm just going to read it. I won't preempt it. How about that? Okay. Sounds good. Hello. If you use any of this on your podcast, I ask you keep my identity private and thank you. And just so our fans know, we always would do that if asked. So we're going to call this person... And if not, and it's side note, if not told, we would then just assume privacy and we would keep it private anyway. Always. She's a doctor. Okay. So we got to make sure, you know, she's got ethics and rules that she follows. And I also go along with whatever she says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, of course, thank you, listener, for sending this in. And of course, we would keep that private for you. Background info. Okay. So, like, probably a lot of people who experience issues with sex. I was unfortunately raised by religious people 
and given zero sexual education other than the demand for abstinence. When my first boyfriend and I were both 21, after months of fretting over it, we finally attempted to lose our virginity together. But he didn't do anything to warm me up first, and neither of us understood what was important. So he was only able to get in there maybe a half an inch before we had to stop from the pain. He insisted that the pain was normal. I said that I expected some pain, but not this bad. This is also when the internet was in its infancy culturally, so this was before you could just Google things you didn't understand. Neither of us even thought of saying, going to a library to research it, and both of us were 10% convinced God was punishing us, so ultimately it destroyed our relationship. My second boyfriend was enough of a virgin himself that he didn't understand why I was afraid of sex when I told him what happened, so even though we were able to get each other off in other ways, he resented it and months later listed my fear of penetration as the primary reason he was breaking up with me. Then when I was 24, a 38-year-old bartender set me straight, thought my issue was hilarious, and under his tutelage, I finally understood. After that, I comprehended how it all worked on a basic level and had a relatively normal sex life for a couple of years. When I was 30, I was raped by a former male friend whose advances I had rejected more than once. Not going to go into this for obvious reasons, but yes, I've been in therapy ever since. Over the next few years, I grew less and less interested in penetration and, to be honest, had pretty much thought of it as a necessary contribution to sex that I mostly tolerated. Lovers could make it significantly less painful for me by being very physically attentive, but I never actually enjoyed it. It was just something I put up with. I am aware that statistically, the vast majority of women don't come from penetration, so I wasn't worried anything was terribly wrong with me. By the time I was 34 or so, it just sort of closed up, and I developed, and I still, I should have Googled this word. Vaginismus. Vag it means when uh, sort of people are having a hard time, whether it's with hands, toys, a penis, uh, being able to be penetrated vaginally. It's either super tight and painful, or it's almost impossible to be penetrated at all. That sounds horrible. Depending on severity level. That sounds, yeah. that sounds horrible. Um, uh Vat, how do we say the word, Doc? Just say it for our listeners. Uh, vaginismus. Vaginismus. Around this time, I met my life partner who prefers alternate methods of sex anyway, so it didn't bother him. Sometimes he misses the variety of it, but it's not a big deal, and he thinks I am in and if he thinks I am in any pain at all, it is a turnoff for him and he becomes soft. So we don't work on it together because there's no point on multiple levels. The problem. Eight years later, I'm now 42, and a man came into our lives over the summer whom I felt an instant and strong attraction towards and affection for. It is the closest thing to love at first sight I have ever experienced. My partner and I have always said if something like this ever happened to either of us, we would just open up the relationship NBD. I don't, what's NBD mean? No big deal. No big deal. I'm just not up on the lingo, what the kids are saying nowadays. <laughs> I, gotta, I, I gotta practice my little acronyms. And my partner was aware 
of every stage of these feelings because I tell him everything, which totally healthy, I have to say, Doc. I know I'm not supposed to comment, but totally healthy that they're having that conversation. I think that's baller on their part. So I'm allowed, uh, so I allowed it to grow, and we both became friends with this man. On my end, the attraction to him grew so strong, I have never experienced anything even close to it. His scent alone makes me wet, and I feel a longing deep inside my vagina that clitoral stimulation cannot satisfy. Nobody has ever done that to me. I didn't even know it was possible. It was like it woke up after being dormant for decades. It is as if my blood seems to be telling me that penetration would not only work with this man, I would actively enjoy it for the first time in my life. That may not be true, but it is how it feels, strongly. Unfortunately, when I told him all of this, he said that although he loves me as a friend and finds me attractive in a kind of objective way, he doesn't want me. This was absolutely devastating. It is the strongest chemistry I have ever experienced, and it is wholly one-sided. Our friendship is worth the pain I experience at not being able to have him, and naturally, I don't want to try to push him about it. I respect his wishes, and if he changes his mind, he knows where I am. But I feel like I have lost something precious and potentially transformative that one man out of every million might be capable of doing to me. Simply put, am I completely fucked? Or is this something that I can find or create elsewhere? I bought a couple of small therapy vibrators and have tried to reach the place where the longing resides on my own, but the best I can do is to put one in there that is the size of a tube of lipstick, and then nothing happens. The tragedy here is that in his presence, it is awake and throbbing. Without him in the safety of my own bed, there is nothing but residual longing. Also, I'm mad at the universe that my damn near-perfect partner doesn't do this to me, which causes some depression and fear that the problem will always be me, that there is something wrong with me, something broken that is so deep it can't be identified let alone mended. We recently opened up our relationship so that I can experiment, but I don't know. I'm worried that if, it, if I went 42 years without experience anything like this, it may be unique enough that I am fucked. Sincerely, a listener. When I read this last night, I thought, first of all, what a brave person for, for sending this to us and telling us this very detailed story. So I want to thank this listener specifically for uh, being so open and willing to share, because I know here's the thing: the doc, you you know, you one of your specialties is sexual pain, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you're yep. going to have a lot to say here, and I'm really interested to learn along with this listener. And then the other thing is, you know, uh, so many other things that I'm sure you're going to talk about as well. But just from my like non-doctor space, I just thought was really brave of, of this person and and cool to say that she's talking to her partner and, and that you have such a wonderful partner that's willing to be there with you and, and go on that journey and, and be open to discussion and all that kind of stuff. So kudos to you across the board. But now I want to hand it off to the actual professionals. 
<laughs> Doc, well, let's talk it, about this. This was a deep, involved, very well-written. Yeah, yeah uh, I, re- I really appreciate this person sharing uh, her story, right? And and that's why I'm saying it's not really a could have been better sex story. It's a, it's a, a whole sort of sexual life experience, right? Yeah. And then maybe some specific struggles within it. And that, you know, it's a little bit more expansive, I think, in that way. Um, and I wish I could be like, all right, I got like a real quick <laughs> little answer for this, but it's, you know, it's been complicated for this person because it is complicated, right? There's a lot of complexities in what this person is talking about. But I also, I feel, yeah, I wish I could say like that I haven't heard lots of stories like this, but the reality is, is I have, right? Sure, sure I'm sure you have. Um, especially when we talk about, and again, I know we've talked about sexual pain in some previous podcasts, so I might, I'll talk a little bit about it, but I might actually focus le- uh, a little more on some of the other elements okay. of this story, only because we've we've done some more on the sexual pain piece. And um, I think we have a podcast episode, I think it's called Coming Back from Painful Sexual Experiences. That's right. Um, and it was another person, as an aside, that wrote in. Um, yes, true. Sexual pain is so much more common than people realize um, and um, happens often in these in these ways that this person just described where somebody has something that they did nothing wrong in like so for instance in this story that that experience of like being inexperienced having um penetrative sex with someone or attempting to for the first time and it being really painful um that's actually a really common experience especially because yeah when something's your first time you often don't really know what you're doing and so why would you, right? You've never done it before. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Listen, I tell you, you know, I thought I knew what I was doing. I, and I, because I, even at like, you know, young Jeremiah, I love to go to like Barnes and Noble and Bookstar and read like The Joy of Sex and everything. I thought I was a, a hardened, like in the know kind of 14 year old when I went down that road. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, theory, theory and practice can sometimes be very, very different things. Um, and, you know, there's like in terms of the way that sometimes, right, there's a lot of different types of sexual pain, but this type that she's talking about uh, used to be described, like vaginismus is a word that's commonly prescribed to it. But like that type of sexual pain often does come from some type of history of uh, painful or painful sexual experiences. And one of the things just like briefly that we've talked about more expansively on other podcasts, but just as like sort of a reminder and setup for this is like part of the reason that that occurs is because of the way that our brain stores the memory of pain, right? Mm -hmm. Like our body is meant to protect us. And so when we associate something, an activity or an experience with pain, our body is like that more animal part of our brain, right? Like that that kind of more reflexive part of our brain is going to want to protect us from that. So the example that I'll often give is like, if you go to the doctor and you're getting a shot and the doctor tells you to relax your arm, most people don't. Most people reflexively will tense their arm, even though they're directly being, you know, told to relax. Right, 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 right. Um, Why? Because the brain has associated the needle with pain. If it was your first shot ever, you'd probably be fine. But, you know, because now it's been associated, the brain goes, oh, we're going to protect you. And usually that includes like muscle tension and things tightening up. And in the vagina in particular, there's like some muscle groups that like can, that's part of vaginismus often can kind of tense up. And then that makes penetration even more uh, painful. Part of what made this probably painful the first time around is 
sounds like there wasn't enough lubrication and also yeah. another piece. I mean, based on what she was saying, I mean, it sounds like they were just like, you know, all right. I mean, yeah. I, this is always the hardest thing. I wish I could just ask her like, so, he, you know, did he just, you know, and I don't want to shame the poor guy because he didn't know what he was doing either, you know, but, you know, it's like, yeah, it sounds to me like it was like, all right, we're naked. You have a hard on. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Well, and this is one of the costs of poor sex education. Yes. Right. I agree so, with that, Doc. God, so I so the, agree. One of the costs of poor sex education is that you do have people that are like, well, I haven't really had access to sex education. I think we know. We've been told a lot about, especially if like maybe um, there's a lot of pressure put on not being sexual, right? right and then right, it's like, right. so then it feels like losing your virginity is this really big thing. And then it makes it even more nerve wracking. It makes it feel like it should be even this like bigger special experience. But if you're especially going into that with a real lack of sex education, you know, that's just going to be a lot of anxiety yeah, <laughs> that's wrapped yeah, up in that. For sure. And literally, physiologically, we've talked about how being really anxious actually makes it harder for the body to do what it needs to do to like engage in certain like sexual behaviors and like have them be as comfortable. So for, for instance, you got two people that were probably pretty nervous, didn't really sounds like know what they were doing because they didn't maybe get education around it, it sounds like, right? She was saying you can't just Google things, right, at right, this point right. in time. So, you know, very innocently didn't know like, hey, there needs to maybe for penetration needs to be some lubrication. Also, something to remember with vaginas, it's not arousal is not just about lubrication, also about dilation. Right. Yeah. So you know what that that I'm so glad you said that because I don't I know we talked about this before, but I don't think we oh, I think we should say that more. I just feel like that's something that should be said more. It's not just about – I want a T-shirt that says that. Don't forget the doc says it's not just about <laughs> lubrication. It's about dilation. I yes, think we need to write that down. Tell our business manager. I'm Because right, I'm we'll telling you, that it's that – because that's – doc, I'm telling you. I didn't even – you know, and I – and I'm a pretty sexual guy. Like I like – you know, I love talking about sex. That's why I'm on this podcast with you, right? But even I – didn't understand. Like dilation, I understand happened with the baby, right? When a baby, am I wrong in that? Did I just make up that scientific fact? I'm not, right? Like, no, uh, no, there it, is, right? Like, that's, yeah, it's like obviously on a much I didn't sound like a total asshole there. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, like <laughs> there's dilation that happens in the muscles, right? Within the vaginal opening that helps the body, right? Be able to more easily, and I mean, it's still painful, but with less pain. Right, but that, that also occurs in arousal. Right? Yeah, it allows penetration to be less painful in an ideal world. But that's why I said we've talked a lot on the podcast about like arousal is important. And it's also sometimes like with the advent of like synthetic lubricants. And don't get me wrong, I think having lube is great, but lube is not the only part of having painless sex, right? Some and here's the thing: some people's bodies just need more time to yeah. sort of be able to reach arousal. Yeah. And object ob not to get too far in the weeds, but I guess that's what we're here to do objective versus subjective arousal, arousal are two different things. Objective arousal is like, is your body giving you cues? And subjective arousal is, are you mentally feeling turned on? And sometimes those things are lining up and sometimes they're not. Like sometimes your head might be way ahead of your body or vice versa. But when pain stuff can happen, someone internally can be like, I'm ready, I'm turned on. But their body's like, well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not with you yet. For that. And then that can create a more painful experience. So anyway, right. like unfortunately- 
this person's story is one that it's that I've heard in different and different iterations of it around like the development of pain where it's like some initial sexual experiences just didn't go very well. And then unfortunately the body, which is trying to do you a favor by protecting you, but it's just doing it in a very inconvenient way. And which is like, Oh, okay. I've now associated penetration with pain. And so I'm going to tense up. And often it's, it's just such an instinctive thing, like a reflex, right? You go to the doctor, someone smashes your knee with the little hammer thing. Mm-hmm. You can't help it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a reflex. And, and part of what makes me really sad when people struggle with sexual pain is, and you know, she said some pieces around this at the end around I, the word that comes up most often is people saying they feel broken. Like there's something really yeah. broken about them. Yeah, and that it, made makes me sad. Me, it makes me so sad. Because the reality is, is the body is trying, it's, it's really trying to do what it thinks it needs to do for you. But again, it's just doing it in a really inconvenient way. And a sure. lot of this stuff is very like separated from like conscious choice, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I have never, ever worked with someone with sexual pain that's been like, oh, and, and I want to make my day more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm going to consciously choose to have this really complex, awful sexual experience. Right. And so that it's just a really tricky thing. Um, But as we go through her story here, just there were a couple of other things that I was like, oh, well, there's several (laughs) other things. I am happy that at some point in time, it sounds like there, what is it? The 38 year old bartender. Yeah. You know, the 38 year old bartender that kind of showed her a little bit of the light there, maybe walked her through it. it sounds like he was very giving. I mean, I'm not trying to. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that. Uh, who knows? And maybe I could be misreading it. I hope he didn't tell her it was hilarious. Or well, I know. <laughs> like, you know, I, well, I, I think what I gather from that was that he didn't say, I'm not, I, of course, just based on what we read here, but I, I don't think. Hilarious meaning like she had a really bad sexual experience, like the guy didn't help her out kind of a thing. Like, man, that's man, hilarious. The guy didn't know what he was doing. And, you know, yeah. that's what I gather from it. Because I don't and think I, if I, he I, laughed at her that she would have been like, all right, Yoda, show me the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I have a suspicion. Yeah, it was more about like maybe it sounds like maybe being a bit more conscientious about like – um because it sounds, what she said, a relatively normal sex life for a couple of years. So maybe being a little bit more conscientious about foreplay, arousal, those things that we're talking about, yeah. which do really help of with course. sexual pain. Yes. Um, I mean, sometimes uh, I will say this as a caveat, someone might have more severe sexual pain where the body, like one part of like, even if they're super turned on, their body is still working against them in sure, sure, certain sure, sure. ways. So yeah. Like not always, but, but oftentimes it, it really can help. Um, you know, and then I'm gonna go ahead and imagine we just we just did a two part series, right, on um, consequences and things and things that people can experience post traumatic incidences, yes, right? We and so did. she's talking was, about yes, she's talking about being raped, right, by a former male friend. Yeah, that's... Like that's obviously not gonna help in any way, shape, or form with now the body feeling less protected, right? Um, because that's obviously an awful experience to go through and an experience that would, I mean, one would assume make somebody feel incredibly unsafe sexually. Yes, absolutely. Um, And so unfortunately I'm, I can absolutely see why that would make some of those sexual pain issues be worse. Um, But one of the things I actually, and I don't know how you feel about this that I love about, I do love about her story is it sounds like 
she found a partner that was actually they were able to adapt. Yeah, and that's so, what I was saying. I think her partner. I, I was thrilled to hear that she found a partner who really seemed to a get her, and that they have great communication based on this. You know, reading this, and then also that they were adapting to, you know, what worked. You know, for her and her needs, you know, in that way, and 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 found alternatives, like you always say, Doc. You know, it's not always just about penetration. You got an elbow, you got a this, you got a that. You know, yeah. toys, and and so I really think, you know, kudos to both of them uh, that she was able to, they were able to come together, have that communication, be so open, and find ways that they still were able to connect sexually. You know, I think that's mm. awesome. Yeah, and that adaptation, and I also like it. This doesn't surprise me. And then it, you, this is you're gonna feel like this is so crazy. Then we should take a break because I want to <gasps> talk about. Oh, I know. I want to talk about the last part of being really attracted to somebody that doesn't want you back. That okay. actually, I want to Ooh. do the second part if you're okay with that. I'm, um, I'm to talk. To you're thrilled. Break. I know. <laughs> you said take a break. <laughs> and I know it's. I'm a little lost. <laughs> it's the best thing when I self-monitor. Um, but uh, the one thing that I would say to just to just to normalize this piece, this part that she says, sometimes like this is about her current partner, right? Who prefers alternative methods of sex anyway. So it didn't really bother him. This like partner that she was able to, sounds like her current partner that she's been able to adapt with. And yeah. sounds like she has great communication with. Yeah. But the piece around um Sometimes he misses the variety of it, but it's not a big deal. And if he thinks I'm in any pain at all, it's a turnoff for him and he becomes soft. So we don't work it. So we don't work on it together because there's no point on multiple levels. Like that whole idea of pain being a turnoff to partners is often very, very real. Right. And it, it usually comes from a place of like love and empathy and concern. And, and I, and I say, I just point that one out because sometimes in sexual pain, people often feel like they need to go through, I'm not saying this person is, but some people feel like they need to continue on in painful sexual experiences because they're worried about disappointing their partners. Sure, but sure. What, yeah, I can what, see that. Mm -hmm. But what they don't realize is often that the majority of their partners really do not want them to have painful experiences. And actually, it's not a fun sexual experience anyway if it's painful for them. And so that kind of like proceeding with something, even if it's causing a lot of pain, often is unhelpful to both parties. And so what these two people are doing, frankly, sometimes you just gotta make the best of the situation you have. And it seems like they've kind of done that in certain ways of being like, okay, well, that's not enjoyable to like have this sort of pain taking over the situation we're having. So let's, let's find other ways to have a nice time. Right. Absolutely. And anyway, so just to point that piece. Well, out. I think that's a really great place to stop. Let's take a quick break and then you're going to come back and uh, therapize and figure it all out for us. And I love it. Great. <laughs> I, I fell asleep for a second. Yeah. <laughs> you OK? Do you have a stroke? All right. We'll be right back. And we're back, folks. All right, Doc, lay it on us. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. Like, so this part, the part of like meeting someone that you're just like, um, what did she say? It's the closest thing to love at first sight I've ever experienced. And yeah. also to a certain, 
and I and I don't know like love feelings, but she's definitely describing lust at first sight. Oh, a hundred percent there. Um, that's really complicated. <laughs> yeah, that is, and I'd love to. And I, oh gosh, I just want to be like, and then do this and that, and 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 you'll feel better. And I just, I mean, to be fair, this person sounds like she's already going to therapy, and she sounds like she pretty actively works on stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and assume if she hasn't figured it out on her own, it's because it's pretty complicated. Um, but that's a real thing, right? Where somebody just, there's just something about like, we remember this was like, was this the first season or the second season we did on chemistry? Second season. Yeah. It was like, you can't fake it. Right. Nope. But like, sometimes there is just something <laughs> right about somebody that just really draws you in. Right. for whatever I think people would say that about Prince for whatever <laughs> <reason>. <laughs> I, I feel like I knew a bunch of people that were like super uh I'm using it as a silly example but like I knew a lot of people like not for me but there was a lot of people that were like oh Prince just really riles me up and I was like really Prince no okay hey. like great music but I don't get the, but other people would just like go whatever like nuts for it right sometimes there's just things about certain people that like resonate in whatever way it grabs like, you connects you connect to it yeah. i get it yeah yeah it's just like however they put it together is just this very it creates a really strong sense of lust or longing sure yep um you know i here's the piece that is maybe a little complicated um to me um let me find where she says it. And I actually, Jeremiah, I'm curious what you think about this piece. That that lust would translate into sex not being, in, not to sex, into penetration not being painful. You want to know what I think? Yeah. I'm wow, curious. this, everybody mark this down. The doc wants my opinion. <laughs> oh, about I've asked something for very it many, complicated I've asked situation. For it many, <laughs> I've asked for it many times. It doesn't mean I then, you know, took it into consideration, but I have asked for it. <laughs> Just want, to be, other, just want to be clear. I'm asking your opinion. It doesn't mean that it's going to be valid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've asked. <laughs> um, yeah, no, listen. I personally think, based on everything I've learned from you and my dear friend, Laura Rademacher, and others that we've had on the podcast, is that the mind is a pretty incredible thing, you know? And, you know, that it, you know, when you're talking about things in the podcast about like, uh, the body trying to protect itself, right? I think you can have that type of chemistry where something is the, the longing and the and the connection is so palatable for it could just be with one person that that could open that person up physically and metaphorically to mm -hmm. what we're talking about. Because if she had that connection, felt so open and excited and 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 aroused by this man right that that might help with uh dilation in the moment because she feels safe that the brain might not tell the, the vagina to tense up like all these different kinds of things and so i personally think that it would be possible that you know there's a lot of things about everything we talk about that sexual stimulation has so much to do with our mental state, right? So I personally think that I'm not surprised at all Like she met somebody. and But I would like to also state that I think she could also possibly meet somebody else that might stimulate her in that way 
as well that, mm-hmm. you know, past this man and that I'm glad that she's out there and given permission to explore that because I do believe that there are, you know, it is, you do have the spiritual connection and an emotional connection to certain people and they kind of become your person. Like my wife, like she's my person, man, you know, like she's it for me. But, you know, that being said, didn't mean I never had a sexual connection with somebody else. You know, she's the apex of the sexual connection for me, but, you know, you might find somebody that, uh, gets close to that and still gives you that ability to open up and that sort of thing. So I think it's all great. Those are my thoughts. How'd I do? Yeah, but pretty good. Um, pretty good. I, I think the, here's the thing. I, you know, it is entirely possible that this person that she's found herself really kind of feeling this really strong chemistry for and connection with, you know, that that is something that could, really aid in producing like a much more easeful sort of penetrative experience just because of the way that arousal can work in the body. Right. That's totally possible. And this is the part where it's like, oh, Tara's always such a bummer. And it's also possible that that would only sustain as long as the lust is at the highest piece like the highest apex come on so here's the thing and i don't know that right so here's the thing like sexual pain is tricky it's a tricky little brat (laughs) (laughs) because the body and the mind like patterns right so it's entirely possible like when you start let's say hypothetically being like this person and there's a bunch of sexual experiences it it wouldn't hurt right to have a bunch of sexual experiences with someone that were pain-free or like there was no pain but it's also entirely possible that people, you know, we habituate. And then when a little bit of that, like initial lust has like, it's not saying it's gone, but maybe turned down a few degrees, you know, like when we first often meet somebody, it's like high beams, right? right? We're on, we're on high beams. And then over time, those beams become a little less intense. Some people, they stay pretty intense, but a little less. And, you know, it's also entirely possible that that sexual pain stuff could, you know, still pop its head up every once in a while, just, okay. you know, during certain sexual interactions. So or basically what you want to make clear here yeah, as you dance around it is that, <laughs> and I'll just say what I'm hearing is that it may work for a little while, but it may pop back up and there's no guarantee yeah. that it won't there's pop no up. Gar- basic- there's no necessary cure-all here that the person no that panacea. you're lusting for may just all of a sudden fix it and it'll all be perfectly fine that it may work for a little while and it may come back. And that's a good point to make there, doc, you know, because well, and I, I make it, I make it for a very specific reason and it's not to be a bummer, right? Like it, I'm mean, doc, come on, you're, you're, you're like bummer incarnate at times. I mean, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's your, you chose, a, you chose a world that's like, Right in the like everything's gray, nothing's right or wrong. <laughs> and so well, like those anyway. people like me who are like, come on, man, I want a direct answer, just fix it. And you're like, sorry, bro. Like <laughs> no, well, it's because the mind to your earlier point, the mind and the body are complicated. And sexual arousal is complicated. And you put a bunch of complicated things together, and sometimes that doesn't make it always consistent and reliable. All right. But I do want and, to say something here, okay? I, I made it. It was just a joke. You're not really a total bummer. And I'm just oh, kidding. No, but I'm, I'm dead, dead serious. Because, you know, that that is something I want to say, because we are the university of pleasure here. And as much as I joke, okay, 
that kind of a joke can stigmatize like, you know, going to talk to somebody like the doc because you don't think you're going to get an answer directly. And that's just me joking around because the kind of personality I have is like, I want to know tomorrow. I want to know now. I want to know, you know, but (laughs) I want to make sure that all of our listeners listening now, especially our, our, the person who wrote in today, like that's just me joking around. The doc is not a bummer. And what they do is there's the nuance of how they help people is what makes them so special and amazing and, and finding ways to do that work. So I just want to make sure I was clear about that because I, I like to joke. But I don't want anybody that would be listening to think that going to talk to somebody like the genius of Dr. Tara would uh, – you know, that they're a killjoy and they're going to make you feel bad. Their job is to help and help you understand. And uh, so I, I just want to make that clear, Doc. Well, thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate that. And yeah, like, I mean, here's the reality. Like what's happened to this person and through these struggles is to a certain degree a bummer, right? That is a bummer. Of course right? it is. And, it, and it's been really hard. And, and like I said, like, and I know that it's gray. Um, it's possible that that could really help. And it's also possible that it could, but that some of that sexual pain stuff might still be there. Why? Because the body likes patterns and because sometimes it's a sticky little wicket that's hard to just totally get rid of through just maybe arousal or attraction. Sometimes yeah. it works, but sometimes it doesn't. And, and the reason that I say that is, is A, because I, you know, there wouldn't be a way to know unless you put it on its feet and tried it out. But B, because to a certain degree, it seems like part of the distress that this listener is experiencing is by maybe seeing this person as the fix right. for the really painful, like both emotionally and physical problem that they've been struggling with for many years. And that association, right, between like, if I could just have A, then B would go away might not actually, while I get to why it's happening and can have tons of empathy for why that that might happen. That's also maybe from sort of a like what to do perspective, that might be a really important relationship to start dismantling a bit. That this person who I now can't have was the solution to my problem. Good call, Doc. Good call. Um, Because I I don't know that it's that actually that simple. Well, um, I mean, I would say by well, let's just say this. I, th- I, you know, again, I'll say it that you, through probably your experience, I would think that it is not that simple. Often it's not. Often it's not. Now, by don't your get me experience. wrong. Yeah, I, don't get me wrong. I've had clients with sexual pain that have met certain partners, and for whatever reason, sometimes also too as an aside, it's just literally body ergonomics. (laughs) Something about the way their body works with your body just works a little better. But when people have pretty long-standing histories of sexual pain, the brain just sometimes, that that tricky reflex I was talking about, sometimes has a hard time letting go. Now, that doesn't mean that all of that stuff about being more aroused or more attracted or whatever it might be to a partner would not absolutely help the process. Sure. it would. Oh, it would. And I'm not denying that. But I'm talking about more like, how do you cope with the emotional pain of the experience she's describing, of feeling rejected by somebody and that sense of longing and wanting for someone that she feels like she can't have. And then also then associating maybe that with or the sensation that somehow that would have fixed this longstanding problem. Right. And I think somewhere within there is probably where I would say like, totally can get why that would happen and and even though it's 
really so much easier to tell someone to do than to actually be the person doing it, trying to separate those things. So on one hand, and like, how could you do that? On one hand, if I was meeting with someone like this and talking to them or people that have, and when I've talked to people with some of these kind of struggles, I think sometimes, sometimes we have to like allow ourselves to grieve something before Agreed. we can do. Well, listen, I, I look at this as a loss, right? I mean, it's a loss. I mean, when you have yeah. that, any, um, any relationship this... that doesn't work out or work out the way that you hope, I think is a, is a bit of a loss, you know, you know, a disappointment or a letdown and makes you sad. So you got to grieve that moment before you can move forward, right? Right. And I, and I do sound, it sounds like she's still sort of in maybe, again, as much as I can tell a process of that grief. And there's, this is a loss that maybe falls more under that category of ambiguous loss. And there's different versions of what ambiguous loss can mean. But one of them is maybe the grief of a, the loss of an experience that you felt like you were meant to have, or you should have had, or you should have been able to have. And that shows up in people's lives in different ways. And this is a, a, a very real type of loss, right? Like, there was a emotional attachment or a hope for a particular type of experience that she is not getting to have. And I do think that it's important to go, yeah, that is a loss. And I am grieving that. But, but I think, and that is its own sort of practice. And then to try to over time to say, and that doesn't necessarily, that loss doesn't necessarily mean, what was her last sentence? That, that she's totally fucked. Yeah, that you're totally fucked, right? Well, I just want to say, I, I want to say, I know you can't clinically say any, like, I, can you just tell her that she's not totally fucked? Can no, we just, can, I don't, I think. <laughs> can we just at least, because she says, she says twice. She says it here. She says, am I completely fucked? Simply put, am I completely fucked? And then later she says, it may be unique enough that I am fucked. Can we at least sell her, tell her definitively? No, I don't think you're fucked. Um, that I can say. Like, Excellent. again, and I don't because I don't even really know what it would mean to be completely fucked. Right. But right. I think in terms of like. Through your experience. Different... Yeah. And again, I don't know, like the work as an aside. Something that I will say is it sounds like she's worked with a therapist. I would say and sometimes like I often work with other therapists where I'm specifically doing sexual pain work. And they're still seeing their regular therapist, maybe if it's for trauma or for depression or for anxiety right, or whatever right. the issue might be. And so it, to this listener, if you haven't also sought out someone that is specifically trained and specializes in sexual pain, that is sometimes actually really helpful because there are certain things that, and I don't know what she's all tried and what she hasn't, right? Because there's no way for her to put everything down here. But you know, I've worked with people that have come in and they're like, I like they've had maybe really similar stories like this. I just feel like there's no way to get this. And and we find ways to help them feel much better about their sexual lives. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And have Mm -hmm. much more enjoyable sex. And sometimes that includes penetration. Oftentimes we can find a way for it to include penetration. And sometimes it doesn't. But the way that they emotionally feel about it has shifted. And that's part of the work that we're doing. Right. Well, I think but this I is great, Doc. You know, I, you know, I'm I, probably going to be the last person. Go ahead. Oh, I'm probably going to be the last person to ever be like, yep, everything's done. There's no hope. You're only 42 years old, right? You got a lot of runway more than likely left here. Yeah. And so that, and in a, a big world with a lot of people, and frankly, what sounds like actually 
or what, what did you call him? A, a damn near perfect partner. Yeah. Right? Well, listen, I think he is damn near perfect. And, you know, I don't – that's the one thing I did want to address here, Doc, and I want to get your thoughts. You know, I think he is a pretty damn near perfect partner and that, uh, you know, he's so open and, and, and willing to be with you and work with you. But would you recommend that they as partners maybe go talk to somebody who deals with sexual pain that they can both have yeah. an understanding um, together? Because yeah, so typically- if he's so open, I mean, to me, like I'd be like, yeah. let's go. Well, so there's a couple different losses that is, yes, the answer is yes. Um, because when, when I do, and different people do it differently, but I have, if someone has a partner and they're experiencing sexual pain, I am almost always at a certain point in time involving their partner in that work, because it is about also like, how do you build pain is an eroticism killer, right? Yep. It just pulls the fun out. It's a eroticism killer. And so part of what I'm often doing then with both people is how do you build that sense of eroticism and excitement and joy, even if pain is a part of the picture and how do you try to minimize pain and maximize eroticism? And so I'm usually working with couples to do that. But if I may, and again, this is like psychologist sort of like nitpicky brain. I think also too, there are two separate losses that she's describing. One is that loss around wanting to have less sexual pain and like the sadness and the grief around that experience and the loss of maybe feeling like there was a solution to that, that she wasn't able to access. But the other sounds like a loss of feeling that really visceral type of attraction and arousal to somebody. Right. But, and that's separate from pain. I want to be clear about that. That's just also a very, there's lots of different types of arousal and attraction. And sometimes they're the quiet building type, right? And sometimes they're the comfortable type. And sometimes they are that, that like raw animal magnetism yes. <laughs> type. Yes. And, and those are more the exception often than the rule. But when you experience that, yeah, it's hard not to go, well, I want that. Right. Honestly, though, Probably another thing that I, me, and again, please always seek alternate opinions. I just have one opinion. <laughs> um, sometimes when we're grieving too, if, if there's a loss, let's say I need to find someone else that makes me feel like that. Timing is everything. Mm-hmm. If you're doing yes. that while you're still really attached to that other experience, it's going to impact your capacity to actually find something like that because That's you're always right. going to be in, you're going to be in constant comparison mode. And that constant comparison mode is sort of just psychologically going to make it really hard to find another connection in that way. Uh So honestly, and again, I don't know what this person's doing in real time, but like if someone came in and was talking to me about something like this, I'd say, I get that you want to have that and you're eager to have that, but maybe take a break, maybe grieve this, maybe take a break, grieve this, find some grounding. And then once you've done a bit of that, and, you know, it's hard to be like, and here's how long that takes. I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and I would say, you know, it sounds like you have a therapist, get some support in what that looks like for you. Right. But then maybe think about rebuilding. Right. Like if if something feels like it's, uh, you know, fall into rubble, you kind of got to clean up the shit that's there before you can build something else in its place. Right. And that would be sort of the order of operations I would recommend. Well, I think this is great, Doc. And I, I mean, do you have anything else you want to really add here? No, I mean, I. this is one, there's so many pieces in this that I could talk about for days. As an aside, I do really appreciate this person writing in. And I'm I'm also just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you've had 
so many of these really emotionally uh, and physically painful experiences and that things haven't been easier. And I, you know, I, the only thing too, I can say on top of that is like, you really, it, it may feel, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know you and I don't uh, know your feelings, but it may feel sometimes like you're really alone in that. But as someone that talks to a lot of people about their sexual lives, I can assure you, you are not unfortunately, well, but you are also not alone. Well, I love you for saying all that. Uh, and thank you for giving this listener just so much insight there, doc. Cause I think, you know, I thought this, this listener again was very, very brave to put this all out there for us to discuss. So I'm grateful to them for uh, taking the risk and sending it to the University of Pleasure. And hopefully uh, you've listened to this episode and it was a little bit helpful. You are not alone. You are not fucked. There will be ways. And I, I think uh, from just the old Jeremiah James perspective, I think it's great that you're getting out there to explore more and to see if maybe you can find that hardcore passion that lights you up in, in a similar way to that one person. And uh, I'm I'm excited to know that you're actively still trying to work through it. And hopefully if you take the doc's advice, maybe find a, a someone who works specifically with sexual pain like the doc does, because I think that would be really great for you too. So just want to say thank you for writing in. Hopefully you found this helpful and just know that uh, we're rooting for you here at the University of Pleasure. And hopefully you'll write in maybe again and tell us that, uh, you know, maybe this helped and maybe that you found somebody that... uh, got all those juices flowing and made it all good and maybe got better. You know? Right, Doc? Yeah. Or found a way to do that with your current partner. Yes! Or took a bit of a break, healed a bit, and then went and checked some of those things. Really, whatever it is that feels, like I said, we're, we're working on limited information. Yeah. <laughs> so. so whatever makes you feel better, we hope this helped. And Doc, I want to thank you so much again for all that you do for so many people. And it's just a pleasure to always come on and share in this with you. And I get to learn in the process. I hope every all the listeners are learning in the process. And uh, we're going to wrap this up. You know, don't forget to check out our phone number, 917-382-0653, if you would like to call and leave us a message. And then if you'd want to drop us an email, it's contact at, the, at universityofpleasure.com. We would love to hear from you. Send your feedback. Send your thoughts. And, uh, you know, Doc, take care of yourself. I appreciate all that you do. I appreciate you. I don't know. You said that with a bit of a twinge I heard in there. Maybe it's my own insecurity. I don't know, but it just felt a little bit of a diggish. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Let's end. I'm happy. You're happy. Oh, that felt better. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Um, Be kind to each other, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you all again next week. Bye, Doc. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. And special thanks to our new associate producer, Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. Thank you.